This is episode number 232. How is this serving me? With David Hennessy. Welcome. My name is Oleg Lohid, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your false potential. Before we get into today's episode, I would like to make a few quick announcements. First one being, for all of our listeners, or if this is your first time tuning in, please consider supporting our cause by making a contribution through our website so we can continue sharing these inspiring and courageous conversations. The second announcement that I wanted to make is in regard to our weekly conversation, which has been taking place for the past couple months and will be taking a place every single Friday at 11.35 a.m. Central Time, lasting approximately 45 minutes to an hour, where we'll be discussing different topics that relate to the larger concepts of gratitude. Some of the previous conversations that we've had to date include what is the connection between gratitude and grief, what is the connection between resilience and gratitude, and what is the connection between one's relationships and gratitude. If this is of interest to you, please consider visiting our website at overcomingodds.today where you'll be able to find all of the information regarding the upcoming discussions. The last announcement that I wanted to make is in regard to our show, and that is if you've enjoyed any of the previous episodes, or if this is your first time tuning in and you like what you heard, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google, so more people can hear these inspiring and courageous conversations. Now, let's get back to the show. David, welcome to the show. Thank you, It's my pleasure again to be chatting with you. It's always a pleasure. No, thank you. I'm glad that we're able to actually hit the record button because knowing us, we would be having a conversation prior to the conversation and then next thing you know is two or three hours later and we're still having that conversation exactly exactly it's always a great conversation with you so yes i really like this topic that you brought up at the beginning and that's this whole concept of is this serving me i was recently recently i mean 24 hours ago maybe even less than that i had received um, a couple messages from people within my network with whom I didn't feel that I didn't have um, as much of a transformational relationship with. It was a lot more transactional, kind of like I, you know, I make the introduction for you here, and then there's an expectation that you should do the same. Or if I congratulate you on achieving X, Y, and Z goal in life, there's an expectation for me to do the same. And I found myself in receiving this message or a series of messages from people being in this interesting place in that what I mean by this place is a place of tension. Wow. Okay. The tension where I wanted to communicate to the individual that I felt that our relationship has been transactional. Okay. 
and, and not necessarily to put them down or um, put an end to their relationship, but more so to express my feelings about how I've been feeling about that particular connection. And it, it ties directly to this question of, is this serving me? Okay. Because I believe for me, being in a connection like that, where I just know that it doesn't serve me to the best of my ability, because I'm more so looking for transformational relationships rather than transactional. And I think they're both combined. I think within mm-hmm. transformational relationships, there are also transaction based ones yes. um, that happen. But I found myself that being solely in a transactional connection and relationship, it truly doesn't serve me best, at least at this particular chapter. Okay. Because I'm seeking something different. And the challenge that I'm experiencing now is how do I communicate that to the individual without having them be offended? But then I just realized even in saying this, there's no reason for me to create a story around what could possibly happen when the reality of the matter is the reality can be a completely different course. In them hearing the fact that I feel like a transactional relationship that might help them in our relationship. It might help them in future relationships. <laughs> or it may make them think of something completely different. So I, th- I think there is a, there's an element of courage. I'll be curious to hear from you as far as what are the key elements within that that really play in addressing this question of, is this serving me? I think there's courage. I think there's a level of confidence that in a way I must experience in order to be able to really act upon that question. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. How do you approach that? How do you personally approach that question of, is this serving me? And what have you found to be a challenge in really answering that in the most honest way possible? Well, the first thing I was thinking of when you talked about the situation that you're having right now is, I would ask the person, how do they feel about the relationship? Mm. Get them talking about it without even saying how you feel about it to kind of get a feeling from where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. Because every relationship is two people. And there's a high chance that they're feeling something similar to you. And this way, you're going to get feedback from them that might open up the conversation in the exact direction that you want to go or help guide you in a different way spontaneously to help you understand better why you're feeling the way you've just described about this particular situation. And I love that comparison between transformational and transactional because Mm -hmm. we do at a basis have like relationships can be transactional in terms of an exchange Mm -hmm. of anything but a deeper level is what you're looking for is the transformational mm-hmm. so the first thing that comes to mind or is the whole idea is is how you start the conversation on a manner where the per- giving them the opportunity to share and you having an opportunity to listen and get their feedback how does that sound mm-hmm. to you i think it's a great approach i think it's a great approach because then it challenges my own assumptions and expectations of how it quote unquote needs to be, but rather just opens a space for what it truly is 
Because at the end of the day, everything that I'm viewing is solely through my lens. Yes. And if I give them the chance to express, I might be able to see something different. I might be able to see the intention behind why they view certain relationships through a transactional lens. Yes. And that might give me a whole other perspective. Yes. Because I don't, I don't think it, one necessarily is better than the other. I think they are what they are. And just like you said, there's a component of each within every single connection or friendship or experience. Yes. But re- for me, recognizing it at this point, and I think one way to recognize it is to create that space for both, both parties. Exactly. And in this case, for me to listen and the other one ex- to express, because if I don't do that, I will most likely continue writing my New York Times bestseller in my head about what it needs to be and how it should be done. And I think if there's anything that I'm even learning through this particular reflection right now, it's that concept of discovery that may open new opportunities and new ways of thinking and help me develop maybe a completely new perspective around what it means to be in a transactional relationship to begin with. Exactly. So I I find it fascinating. It is fascinating. And it reminds me again of what we just talked about before you hit record with regards to relationships. But relationships to me, sometimes people are thinking just about business relationships or they're thinking about personal relationships. But all relationships to me come, and this is, you know what, David could be totally wrong on this, but I believe that they're all (laughs) centered in the same basis. Like there's all the same dynamics that are in there meaning that we want things to work out beneficial for everybody involved. A win-win situation, as Dr. Stephen Covey said, so that everybody mm-hmm. wins. It's not I win, you lose, you win, I lose, or nobody wins. You want everybody to benefit from it. And this openness that you mentioned to be willing to, to the idea, well, what if I approach this in a certain way? I mean, I had a conversation, as I mentioned to you briefly, uh, with a friend I hadn't seen in a while today, And I had no idea what the conversation was going to be. And I remember like an hour or so into the conversation, just pausing and saying to her, I said, like, this is a fantastic conversation. I had no idea we're going to have this. I I didn't show up with any sort of thoughts in my mind uh, as to what would happen in the conversation. And we hadn't seen each other in a while based upon, for those people listening, it'll timestamp the conversation. When France here, we're in another lockdown again. Uh, for the schools and that and this particular friend of mine is a school teacher and therefore they are a little bit more available as against the busy life that they normally have to have a conversation so I had that opportunity today very grateful for that very grateful for all my friends and this particular conversation was what's happened in this person's life what's happened in her life uh, to hold the privacy here it has been transformational and this kind of relates to what you were mentioning, Oleg, and to other people that are listening, is the willingness and the courage mm-hmm. that she's had in a new relationship to look at her behaviors and ways of looking at things that she's always done before. Now, putting it in black and white perspective here, obviously we're talking about a current relationship and past relationships. So all the previous ones have led her to this moment in time. And 
very, very honestly and courageously. Now, we're talking about a personal relationship, but this can be how you enter a work environment. You could say, well, okay, I've always done this when I move to a new work environment. This is how I do things. This is how I operate. You have your own framework, your mental framework, your own software that runs all the time, and it's comfortable. So you use mm -hmm. it. But what if it's not comfortable? What if there's a constant bug in the system that needs to be programmed? Because as we've talked about before, everything that I'm doing today is going to lead me to where I want to be tomorrow. And if I'm not where I want to be right now, at this moment in time, there's something wrong with what I've been doing in the past. Not wrong in the sense of failure, but in the sense that it's not leading me to where I want to be. Mm -hmm. So when she shared this with me, so honestly, I was just sitting there and I was so happy for her because the willingness to look at our behaviors and say, wow, this isn't what I expected to experience in a relationship. However, I am happier than I've ever been in my life. Mm. And that's you, powerful. Yes. How do you personally recognize the changes that you aspire to make within your life? Okay, changed me completely here because I was thinking about what I was saying before, which is great. How do I recognize them? I'm just is thinking a, of like the framework analogy yeah. that you just brought up and I'm trying to understand it when, when you want to change something, whether it's in your own life or just the relationship, you know, you feel like a relationship is not going in X, Y, and Z direction or yeah. it's taking a different path. How do you, how do you, or what do you personally do that allows you to recognize where it current currently is and then kind of map out a series of steps that you can take in order to change its trajectory? Okay, this is a very, very interesting question because do I want to change the direct the trajectory of a relationship? Is it my right to change this? I'm thinking at this moment in time, the first thing that you mentioned to me, I look at how I feel. Like I run on logic and emotion, intuition and 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 logic, kind of like side by side, although there's like a different balance, kind of like a not yin and yang, but there's a movement between the two. And I look to see how do I really feel about what's going on in the environment. So it would be a feeling, and I think every one of us as human beings, we are motivated by the emotions that we have. So if we're just like, if we're doing positive affirmations, I feel great. It's just like, it's words, it's logic, it's written down. But if we don't have an emotional attachment to what we're moving towards, we will never make a change. So in my own life, I have to look at where do I feel emotionally? And I think similar to what I experienced with my friend today was there is a certain at ease, a feeling, a positive feeling when you know everything is going well. Mm -hmm. And there's not, there is always blips and tension and things that show up. And this is whether it's in the work environment or whether it's in a personal environment, but generally speaking, you feel everything is going along the way it's meant to go. And it's, the world is not coming back at you again and again, at telling you, you need to adjust. Because I, I think that the classic mistake that I've made in my own life, and sometimes some of the listeners may feel as well too, is you keep on getting a lesson coming up again and again, and you fail to heed yes. it, right? And, and I have had this experience. And again, it peaks in my mind here about uh, this particular friend, no, just because I understand uh, clearly what she was referring to is when we, we perform the same habits all the time 
and we expect to have a different outcome. Mm-hmm. And we need to step back from ourselves at times and say, how is this serving me? Is it really working? Because in fact, what happens is, is that may not only be not serving us, but it may not only, it may not be serving other people around us. So like, mm-hmm. we are not like, shall we say, bringing our best to the table. And by not bringing our best to the table, we're also blocking other people because when we bring our best, we enable other people. We kind of supercharge the environment. It's like you, you know, you bring in the electricity to the moment and people get excited because they can see, you know, when you go into a room and you meet people or you talk to somebody and you're like, wow, I, I want to hear more about this. Mm-hmm. Okay. And actually just, uh, just my mind is starting to, to spin up some ideas here. When you have a conversation with somebody and afterwards you feel at the very least, you haven't had a loss in energy or you feel like an increase in energy, mm-hmm. that's a good conversation. That's a good interaction. But if you feel afterwards emotionally drained, you might want to look back and say, what happened there? Mm-hmm. Because that is a factor in our lives because sometimes we surround ourselves with people that actually are a pull on our energy. Uh, and maybe you circumstances won't allow us not to be there, but what you may need to do, I say may you, I mean me included, is not to spend as much time in that environment because perhaps it's a family member, perhaps it's people that you, you're around all the time. It might be somebody that's in your work environment that serves the, the, the global goal in a great way, but you don't feel that you can spend a lot of time around them. So it's identifying a little bit about how you feel in that experience as well. Mm-hmm. So that's that's an intuitive emotional feeling which I, I sense that you probably have and then you kind of when you talk about taking it apart which you asked me the question how do i look at it then is then i will take it apart and kind of look at okay well what am i doing in this situation here because i can't tell what the other person's doing like mm-hmm. you know i don't know what's going inside the other person's mind but how can i better serve the situation here and it goes right back to the beginning of our conversation right now since you started recording is the whole idea is if this is not working out with this person i want to approach them and have a conversation but find out what's on their mind mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i think that's that's a great point for a couple of reasons first is what you just said about not knowing what's going on in the in the other person's mind i mean that that is 100 true Yes. I don't know how they're processing it. I don't know that that anything in regard to that situation. All I know is what I'm processing on my yes. end and how I view that particular situation. The the other thing that you mentioned that I find fascinating, and I hope that you you can expand upon it more. And it's this whole concept of understanding that, for example, a certain environment doesn't serve you. So being in a situation where instead of walking away with a level of energy that's elevated, it's decreased. So you, you're experiencing more um, emotional uh, drainage, so to speak. I'm curious to hear from you when that happens to you, because what I've realized throughout my life when it comes to similar situations is those situations happen within every single person. So even the people who are quote unquote, the most positive and upbeat within my life, they still have days when they are the opposite, just like I am. And I'm wondering to what degree or how do you personally, I mean, do you draw a line? Do you have a, 
Are you able to recognize that, let's say, a person is having a down day due to loss, adversity, whatever the set of circumstances might be? And then how do you continue to create that space for them? And then in the other situation, when you have conversations with individuals who you may never met before until that particular instance, and it just happens to be so that they might be in the same exact shoes, they might have experienced a loss, they might have experienced an adversity. And so that the energy in the room is not necessarily uplifting, but the complete opposite of that. How do you how do you deal with those circumstances while still giving? I guess what I'm asking is, how do you deal with those circumstances while still giving people benefit of the doubt? Okay, I would ask questions. Simply because it, you may connect with somebody and you may have, like sometimes uh, you might talk to somebody, you have an appointment with them. And when the appointment arrives, personal or not, mm-hmm. at the appointment or just before, you uh, let's go into the point where you've met with them and then it's not the right moment. Like yeah. there's something else going on that you don't know about. And being willing for me to be willing to say is it's, it's still good timing. Mm. and and if it is keep moving forward in the sense of the conversation but asking questions towards the person you know like get them going in the conversation not because shall we say i mean i'm definitely a work in progress but if i meet somebody and all of a sudden i start talking right i just start talking oh let me tell you about my day and blah 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 you start to lose the person right away, but it's a completely different thing if you meet somebody and they say to you, well, how are you doing? Like, what's mm-hmm. happening for you? You tend to open up a little bit more and then you just wait. I say, I wait as best I can patiently to see when there is an opportunity for me to share, but not waiting for an opportunity for me to share, just to stay and listen. Because there's, there's, a, there's a very subtle difference between if I'm waiting for me to have a chance to, to share, that means I'm thinking about when I'm going to share. And I mm-hmm. think that my mind is interrupting the conversation, even though they're speaking. And I won't really hear what they're saying. Because I wrote about it in, in one of my little ebooks is the idea that there's a difference between listening and hearing. Listening, I describe as like you're talking and the sound is coming towards me. So I'm listening. But the question is, am I really hearing you? Like, am I understanding where you're coming from? So that might require me to say, holy, hang on a second here. Can you explain more about what you're sharing? So I I can hear you better. Because one of my friends said to me recently that we were having a conversation and they said, ah, I think that person knows you, but they don't really get you. And I thought, that's an interesting expression. Because you can know somebody, maybe you you know somebody yourself or one of the listeners has known somebody for a long time, but you don't really, really know the person, like you don't really get them. Yeah. There's there's a special connection that's not there. It's, it's just a deepness to the experience that's not the same. I'm giving you a, a wide answer to a, a question. <laughs> yeah, I know, because you, it, it, these are tremendous things that you're opening. These are very big topics about human communication. And I never claim to be an expert on this. I'm just working through my own process here. Uh, but I always think that the best thing I can do is to listen to somebody else as they talk about what's happening for them. And when, you know, there's, an, there's something of value that I can share, maybe there's never, 
I mean, you know, they can, then they can say to me, how's your day going? And then I will share about mine. But it's, a, it's wonderful to hear people share their stories because like I gained so much today from this conversation where uh, the logical side of me would say that maybe 10%, 15% of the time I was sharing because I learned so much from this other person about their transformation. Mm-hmm. And I felt really good because uh, it was great to see somebody I know make some, 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 so many positive changes in their life based upon the fact that they had the courage and the openness to look at their current habits and say, okay, maybe I can be open to something different. Mm-hmm. And essentially what they ended up being open to is that they were experiencing what I would describe as, it's a phrase that some people use, unconditional love, where somebody wants to spend time with them without looking for a transaction. Like when you describe transaction, meaning sometimes people in a relationship say, well, okay, mm-hmm. if I do this, then they're going to do that. But what if I do this and they don't do that? Yeah. Does that really matter? Like uh, I remember hearing somebody once, it might have been Tony Robbins who said, in a relationship, are you being an accountant? Are you counting the behavior of the other person? Scoreboard. Mm -hmm. Scoreboard. I think this is a way to destroy a relationship. Mm. Do you think genuine listening is a learned skill or something that is within each and every single one of us that, that may not be tapped? into because I was thinking about it the other day and I was looking at different chapters of my life and and how my own ability to listen to other people has developed over time and I would say if I'm being completely honest with myself it wasn't until four to five years ago that I really got curious about listening Before that, I had all of the responses ready to go. If you say this, I pull out this one. If you say that, I pull out this one. And so there, and that really wasn't listening. And I've actually recently found myself sometimes having conversations. And this is not meant to be uh, as a judgment against anyone, but I can now understand when the person is truly listening and when the person has already had some form of a response. Do you think active listening is a learned skill? Well, I would say for me, it was something I had to learn. Mm -hmm. Because I don't think I was a great listener, and I still think I can improve my capacity to listen. When I was younger, I'm pretty sure because my mind is running at like a speed of light and I'm, okay bi- bi- biological speed okay not the speed of light i'm all electronic but uh it's like it runs very fast so i would be in conversation with somebody but my mind would be spinning and the first step was to control my mind spinning that was spinning off thinking about things not related to even the conversation maybe some people listening have that happen where you're thinking about breakfast lunch dinner you know yeah. something else is not even related to the conversation okay that's the first issue that i, that I had to deal with And then the next issue is actually to listen to the conversation, be present, but actually actively listening as you described, being in the conversation, listening to the person and not formulating what my response should be based upon programming. Mm 
because I do believe, and I've seen it on the internet in relationships, there's all these programmed responses that you can learn, you know, to pick up lines and stuff like yeah. that. This is no, this is not it. This is not the way you want to create relationships because people are not going to be robotic in their response to you. So then you don't have, you know, A plus B equals C, you don't have the answer to respond to. I think that the, uh, I think, and I feel that the experience for me is when you have a really good conversation, it's kind of, it evolves naturally over time with somebody. You feel good, they feel good, and it wasn't prescripted. And of course, again, I'm going back to the same conversation I had today for a couple of hours. It was because it was just, I had no idea what the conversation was going to be all about. And I came away feeling really good. And the conversation could have gone on forever. The only reason why I didn't was because I wanted to be present for this podcast with you. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, and I made that prior commitment and I keep my commitments. So, and so the, the thing is about conversation is that it, when we don't bring ourselves so much into the conversation and we want to listen to the other person, I mean, they can ask you, I mean, in the conversation, they may turn around to you as people turn around to me and say, well, what do you think about this? Mm -hmm. There's an entry for you to share. And you may not have any answer at that moment in time. You may have to pause to think about it. And then you share and you construct your thoughts as you go along. But I think you pointed out something very interesting there, Oleg, is that, yeah, when you're looking at the person, are they thinking about what they're going to say next? Yeah. You know, this, it's, this is actually a very, very complex, at the same time, simple idea in the sense, simple that we're talking about allowing a conversation to flow without us trying to guide it a certain way. And this will be probably more in the personal arena. Because in business, most people have an endpoint where they need to go to. Mm -hmm. But if the endpoint people already know at the beginning, they're like, okay, we want to try and figure out this to happen. How can we do that? If you sit there and you listen to how someone else has designed their ideas, and then you ask, well, they ask you, well, what do you think? Can we do this? Then you have a discussion about how you can reach it together in a win-win situation. So there still is a fluid pathway because, you know, what the all the ideas that we have together are typically the result is greater than the sum of the parts. You know, we want to know, uh, Gestalt, that's the word I was thinking of. Gestalt psychology is, is pronouncing it wrong. Someone will correct me on this, but it's the <laughs> whole idea that like, yeah, it's, it's bigger than what it is, you know, and, and when we have conversations with people, there's, there's this, there's a new energy that comes about where people will come up with ideas they would never have come up with typically on their own because there's that, you know, special energy that kind of moves between two different minds. Mm -hmm. And I think that also, I mean, it goes back to at least my experience of having conversations like this and different form of interviews or podcasts or whatever it may be. I remember when I was first starting off, I was approaching it through a very different lens compared to okay. the one that I approach it now. And that is, I was, I was much more focused on the question, answer, question, answer. I was much more focused on if this is the topic we're going to discuss, we can't go off tangent. We have to stay on course because uh, time is valuable for some people. For me, time is valuable. So whenever yes. I spend a half hour, an hour, it's something that I can't get back. And so I try to be as productive as I can in it. 
But I also find that there is tremendous value in just being able to share what it is that is currently occupying your mind and how it connects to a larger theme, if it does or if it doesn't. And that, to me, in a way, what makes the natural dialogue, the free-flowing conversation. And if you really think about it, I, I was thinking about this the other day. My experience of observing conversations has been this. I don't think, in my opinion, conversations go from one to the other, and then there's another step. I think they sometimes go from one step to another, and then there's a step that's like way to the right, yes. but then it still somehow like comes back around. So it's not necessarily a straight line. It's not that I'm going to say this and it'll be followed by that. And then this is the next step. I have found that conversations do sometimes go in circles. And maybe one of the reasons why that happens is because there's so many thoughts that happen simultaneously. Okay. I mean, think about it. Even right now, we might be having a conversation around this whole topic of relationships and um, is this serving me in a particular relationship, whether it's relationship with self, relationship with someone else, relationship in an organization. But at the same exact time, there are the thoughts of what am I going to have for lunch, for dinner? What is my, what's tomorrow looking like? What's the next conversation? And I don't know if it's necessarily possible to avoid those thoughts. I mean, th those thoughts just happen. I think the difference for me is I allow those thoughts to just flow through me. And if one of them somehow connects to the conversation at hand, well, that's what it was meant to be. How do you, how do, you do that? Do you block off certain thoughts in order to stay in the quote-unquote moment? Or do you just allow them to enter as they come? So if the next word you say some, has something to do with your lunch or your dinner that you're going to consume today, <laughs> then that's the thing. Do you just allow it to flow freely? Or do you have well, a process I, of your own that you go through? Well, actually, we started this whole conversation today, and I had no idea where this conversation was going to start or go. And the first thing I will say about that for those people listening is, on my side, it actually takes courage for me not to know where <laughs> I'm going to go in the conversation and, and having confidence that because we're recording this, that what I'm saying actually makes some sort of sense to somebody who's listening. Mm -hmm. Because as you mentioned, I value people's time, your time, my own time as well, because it's precious for all of us. And I want to be giving value for those people that are listening. So I don't know exactly what's the next thought that's going to come out of my mind. I will say over time, I've learned how to, a lot of times the thoughts don't even come up like what you're talking about. When I'm in, I'm really in a conversation, my mind is not wandering anymore. And the only time it does happen, I kind of call them like notifications on the phone, but I don't have notifications turned on on my phone by my, that's true. I don't mm. turn notifications on, but things will pop up in my mind, but typically they're related to the topic on hand, what we're talking about. So, and I, what you mentioned about conversation, taking a direction, I agree with that because I think that between two points in a conversation, there's multiple ways that we can go there. So we don't know how A to B will go, 
because that's that's like even in the physical world and physics and that you know a beam of light has multiple ways that it can go that wave can go many different ways so can our thoughts so can the conversation so if it was too scripted i think it would be too boring for people to be involved in mm -hmm. and allowing it to free flow by not anticipating what you're going to say and being willing to speak what's on your mind does take a level of courage and which probably would relate to also a level of confidence in yourself. Mm -hmm. Do you think those two things come from experience? The courage confidence and the confidence? Pre like previously having had the ability to speak your mind, so to speak, or is there something else underneath all of that? Okay. I would say for me personally, I, I needed to take risks in my life to, to learn to be confident. And that required me before to have some courage. But the courage came from a motivation that I felt was worthwhile. So mm. it was like I had the motivation, which led to the courage to do experiences that gave me confidence for the next experience. And the motivation for those people who are listening to follow my train of thought is that I had to have a motivation that I felt was worthwhile to be able to do it. So me participating in this conversation with you and having the willingness to not prescript what I'm going to say mm -hmm. is based upon the belief that I want to be able to do the best that I can for other people around to share the little bit of wisdom that I might have that can empower their lives. Mm -hmm. So my motivation is, is for positive change. So if I didn't feel I could bring value to the table, then I wouldn't have the courage to step up and share something. But I've learned over time uh, and I'm very grateful for the people who value my work that what I have to share has value to them, not to me, but to them. Because if it had no value to other people, then I would just stop. There's no point. What is the, I'm just, I'm thinking about what you just said, and I'm trying to understand it through the lens of what is the fine line that you choose to draw between allowing other people to define that value of your work? And then also using your own reflection of understanding that this is of value, even if it's not understood as something that is valuable just yet. Explain more about what you mean. So For I example, fully understand. when I was first starting Overcoming Odds four, four years ago, maybe a little bit longer than that, initially the concept was not easily understood by people surrounding me. Okay. And I think part of it, it, it was a two-way street. Part of it was the way that I was explaining it to other people. And then the other part, I think, in some of the conversations I was having was people didn't have a reference point. So they didn't have some similar project person that they were able to look at and say, oh, so you're trying to do something like X, Y, and Z okay. that can help them better understand it. And I, in, in those moments, I have found myself that even though it, this project was not understood by other people, it doesn't mean that it doesn't have value because I still found it valuable. Okay. And so in that moment, I started to realize to what degree do I look at other people's feedback about the value that this provides? And then to what degree do I fall back on my feedback? about the value that, that this has. Because at the very early stages, especially in, in the beginning of a project, and I, I can't speak for everyone, 
I can only speak from my perspective, but in my situation where other people weren't able to understand it, therefore it was not perceived as a value. Okay. But I was able to understand it to a degree because it was, it was providing value to my life. So that's where I got curious when you were sharing that. Is there a fine balance or is it something that continues to evolve? So you depend on other people for, um, is this having value in X, Y, and Z? For example, creating a course, determining that by based on the number of people that purchase it based on the reviews and all these other things that you get afterwards, that might be one way to determine value. And then personally speaking, how do you understand that this is a value and it might solely be a value to you just for this particular chapter of your life? Okay. Okay. I will start at the point for myself. Uh, for those people listening, the program I created is the Wonder Technique, which is mm -hmm. 20 years old, well, almost 21 years old, almost 22 years old now. And it's a holistic approach to personal development. And I, as one of my friends said, I am the Wonder Technique. Like, this is what I live, is a very holistic approach to taking care of my physical, mental, spiritual, emotional well-being. Everything to me is interconnected. And I, if somebody else, if nobody wants to listen to what I have to share, I'm okay with that because it has brought something, some richness to my life. The more I understand how everything is all connected. Mm -hmm. Now, meanwhile, as you mentioned as well, Oleg, what about other people? I will continue to share, and it's 20 years now, I will continue to share the wonder technique with people while people still feel that it's giving them value. There's an interest in the work that I'm sharing. However, I could be totally wrong here. I don't see the world embracing as much a holistic approach as I would mm -hmm. anticipate from my frame of reference. And inside the holistic approach, because perhaps some people think holistic, bringing lots of ideas together will be complicated. But for me, it actually is really quite simple. Mm -hmm. Because when you look at something holistically, you start to find things that are really connected all over the place. And that makes it easier to, for you to find a simple path. I mean, I remember when I was growing up, people would say to me, you know, you're, you're one person when you're at home. You're one person when you're with your friends. You're one person when you're at work. You're one person when you're with your spouse. And it's like, you have multiple facades and I'm like, I can't do this. I can't be a different person. Mm -hmm. So it, it, that's too stressful for me. Mm -hmm. And maybe there's lots of research about that, that says that this is what most people do, but just because most people are doing it doesn't mean to me that this is the right plan of action, mm -hmm. because if it's causing me stress uh, to try and do things that are not in line with how I believe, it becomes very difficult. And in terms of um, the wonder technique for those people listening, I really get things down very simple. Like I don't need, because I can get, I could get very, very stressed out when I was younger. Like I would lie in bed in the morning, not want to get out of bed. I felt like, you know, the feel, symptoms of the flu were shaking and nervous and anxious and you don't want to get out of bed and you want to sleep, but the sleep is restless, you can't sleep. I had all of that stuff because I was, I, I, I was stressed out for multiple reasons. And when I finally started to 
best way to describe it is peel off the onion and look at what's simple, what small steps can I make daily that will improve things in my own life. And then I started to look like, for example, in the arena of foods, what way can I nourish my body better? And the fundamental principle for me is the closer a food is to its natural origin, the better it will be for my body because my body is going to identify with it easier. If it's a natural source of food, it's going to be better. It hasn't been changed. It hasn't been manipulated. Potentially, it hasn't been packaged. So I'm talking about like an orange as against orange juice. I'm not telling people to drink orange juice. I'm not telling people to eat oranges. But there's a, there's a very different, a big difference between a container of orange juice that's been processed. Absolutely. Has an, or an orange sugars. that's on a tree. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And then people say, well, I need to have more fiber in my diet. Well, hang on, there's fiber already in the orange, you know? And then if you eat the orange and you don't peel off the white that's beneath the skin, there's all these different phytochemicals that are on it, phyto being plant chemicals that are full of nutrients for your body. So it's like you're, we're actually removing things away from the food that we actually need potentially to add on later because we're missing them in our diet. So I've always, like, that's a very, very simple example, but it really, that when I look at that, I look, okay, where are my foods coming from? And mm -hmm. that helped me demystify all of these things about where are foods. And then I understood things, as I mentioned recently on another podcast, which predates now a lot of people talk about, but it could be interesting to some of the listeners that might know of it, like uh, this whole story of hydrogenated fats. I'm not sure if you're aware of mm -hmm. it, but this isn't foods again. Hydrogenated fats are basically what they did is they took, they wanted to create a substitute for butter. And at that moment in time, butter was believed that as a saturated fat, it's not very good for humans to eat. So let's make something that's similar that they can replace in their diet. So they took, scientists took vegetable oil and they pumped hydrogen through the vegetable oil, which solidified the vegetable oil, made it hydrogenated oil. But when they did this man-created process, they changed the fats, the cisc fats in the oil into what's called a trans fat. And the human body didn't recognize this because it was made from outside the human body. Okay, it was a transformed fat. And then over time, they started to realize these trans fats are not so good. And so when I started out with the wonder technique, looking at foods and what's, shall we say, pure, more natural foods and what wasn't, at that moment in time, trans fats still existed in the market. Like I was in Canada at the time. And then bit by bit, more research started to come out. And then you'd start to see packages of food that said trans fat free or reduced trans fats. And then eventually, as far as I know now in Canada, they are banned. And most places you won't see them. But this is where we, we went away from a source of food, whether you, I mean, saying butter is natural, well, you know, it's like the milk that's been turned and turned and turned and gets solidified, churned, okay, not turned. But then you had a substitute that man tried to make and in effect, it had a negative result because the scientific process that took place. So going back to the foods, like in many areas of our lives, when I talk to people about foods, choose the most natural origin when it comes to exercise, you know what, all our bodies are different, different sizes, different shapes, different mm -hmm. things we enjoy. I always say when you want to pick an exercise that you want to use to manage your stress, to feel better, pick something that you really enjoy, not because other people suggest it. No, something that you really enjoy. Maybe you need to sample a whole bunch of things. 
You know, just because your friends run doesn't mean you should run. If they run and you love to run, great. But always to kind of start from the inside out, looking at what is the simplest approach I can make that I will end up enjoying. And why is that? Why pick something that you enjoy? It, it, does joy help it sustain and maintain yes, it longer? For sure. You want to be leaping out of bed in the morning because you're going to do an activity that you enjoy. It's like relationships. You want to run towards the people that you get to meet because there's pleasure and enjoyment being with them. Why would we want to force ourselves true to do something because it hurts us? Now, there's a difference between a physical activity that you enjoy that may have some physical discomfort because you've got pain at the end of the day. You might hike up a mountain, your legs are tired. That's completely different from mm -hmm. doing an activity that you really don't like. Because psychologically, there's something going on. I don't know if we can fully explain that in terms of science, but when we enjoy doing something, we enjoy spending time with people. When we see the value in an activity, we'll embrace it more. And then we don't have to convince ourselves continually to do it. David, can you explain briefly the meaning behind the wonder technique? What, why is it called wonder to begin with? Okay, this is a very good question. And uh, <laughs> I have not disclosed this on a podcast ever uh, by intention because I've always used it for the conferences, but I will, I will share it diagonally. Mm -hmm. The wonder technique is actually an acronym. And if there's somebody listening who's heard me in a conference, I will not give out the exact acronym right now because it's a big treat for people to get. But it is a consolidation of six different principles of health and well-being, everything from sleep to exercise to foods to outdoor activity, you know, hydration, all those things. So that's what originally it came from. And my reluctance to share it, some people listening say, well, why won't you share it right now? Is because then people think <laughs> it's really that simple that all I need to do is I need to sleep more, I need to exercise. X, Y, and Z. And mm -hmm. it was after I created the acronym that I realized over the years, because I created the acronym in 1999, is that there is a huge crossover between all these areas. And I think that by just understanding that, okay, I need to sleep more, I need to exercise more, that doesn't show, it doesn't explain all the... I don't, it's not the right word, cross-pollination, but the interaction between all these different areas. Mm -hmm. Because in fact, outside of that, since I created the name, The Wonder Technique, I have also recognized as well that there's other areas of our lives that directly impact our health and well-being. And that would be, for example, our financial situation. And there, mm -hmm. in The Wonder Technique, originally, there was nothing about finance. But when you get to simple things about finance, and some people will say, oh my gosh, that's so simple. It's true. The principle of spend less than what you earn is a guiding principle for financial success. You know, taking the time to, to simply look at how much do I earn each month? How much can I spend? Those things really will help you. And taking part of your income every month and saving it long term will benefit you and make you less dependent on other people, whether it's governments or family members. So every, to me, they're, they're very simple principles. And when we sometimes say, well, you know what? I don't need to pay attention to that. That's when we run into trouble. Mm -hmm. It's like in conversations with, uh, in relationships, we, you and I have talked about this before. People say, well, I'm really trying to figure out, you know, how to resolve that issue in a relationship. And like, when's the last time you talked to that person? Well, I haven't talked to them in a, in a week, a day or a month. There's no way you can bridge a misunderstanding if you're not actually having a conversation with somebody. 
And I'm quoting Sam Harris because he was the one who said this phrase. He said that um, without conversation, we end up in conflict. And that mm. reminds me, yeah, it's a brilliant phrase, reminds me that when I took a conflict resolution course in university in psychology many years ago, my teacher talked about the fact that conflicts between countries ultimately end up between the conflicts that are between two people, the leaders of the two countries. Because if they can't have a conversation, the two countries can end up at war. So even on an individual basis in a relationship, uh, whether it's an intimate or non-intimate relationship, work environment, we need to be able to talk about things. Wow. Talk about coming full circle from where the conversation started. Yes. <laughs> so see, maybe at the end of the day, it does somehow make sense and it does somehow have its, has its own course, so to yes. speak. What are some of the best ways that people can connect with you and sounds like attend some of these events where you'll be sharing more about the specifics of what the wonder technique truly is? Yes, and, and it's been a while since I've shared in public because of the, the COVID pandemic and that. So it'll be really interesting to see the evolution in my presentations because uh, my presentations I used to share in a certain format, pre-scripted because people had particular questions, but now through the podcasts and that I've learned that the conversation is really quite an interesting approach mm -hmm. as, as we're having. The best way for people to find me is a simple approach, the wondertechnique.com. And everything that I do is attached to that. And for those people listening, no, I am not on Facebook. No, I am not on Instagram. They will find me through the wondertechnique.com. And that's a, that's a time management issue as a primary reason. And I do have a YouTube channel where there's little short educational videos about ideas. Like for example, what is the Noxebo effect? Most people don't necessarily know what that, that was the most recent video that I put out there. Information to help people be aware of different things that impact how we think. And then on that particular, as you mentioned, uh, on the website there, I do have currently, I'll be adding to it soon, I have 10 mini courses that are available. I don't know if I mentioned this before, Oleg, if mm -hmm. people decide that they want to uh, participate in those courses, I have a, a monthly fee. Now, this would be in US is probably about nine or $10 US, depending on the exchange rate, because it's on my website, I'm in France, it's in, in, in euros, uh, is that they have access to all 10 courses. So if they pay for one month, do all the courses in one month, great for them. I'm not, I'm not, lo I'm not looking for the money. I'm looking for to help people. Mm -hmm. they, and each one of those courses, like for example, how to sleep well and wake up energized, how to focus and concentrate better. Each one of them is video, a lot of audio and comes with a workbook. It's all one package. So, and they can revisit it as many times as they want. I've tried to create something that I would like to see because I think that a lot of times awesome. courses are very unaffordable for people uh, and there's value, but it may not be affordable. And I wanna give people the right to choose what at this moment in time, they might decide they start off on one course and go, well, in fact, I wanna learn more about this. So, and then uh, I have the blog, there's lots of information. People can see the wondertechnique.com. They wanna reach out to me, they can connect with me that way and learn a little bit more. And uh, hopefully when everything gets settled in the world again, I'll have the honor of being out speaking in public again, doing some conference work, but who knows when that will be. I don't mm -hmm. know. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you've enjoyed any of our previous episodes, consider supporting our work by either making a contribution through our website, 
at overcomingodds.today or leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring and courageous conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening and we'll look forward to having you next time.